Welcome to Adventures in Creativity, a show fueled by conversations and curiosity with your host, David Swida. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm David Swiduck and this is Adventures in Creativity, a digital soup production. Now, first and foremost, I want to just take a second. I'm recording this and you're listening to it coming out just going into the Christmas weekend here of 2018. We're wrapping up the year and I know it, it feels weird to say we're wrapping up the year because, you know, here at Adventures in Creativity, we kind of just got this ball rolling back in basically November. The first episode was in on Halloween, actually, I think is when I published it. So, um, you know, we're, we haven't been at this very long over here, but I've been doing these uh, Super Chats conversations for a while. And so we're kind of looking back at the year and right now schedules are hectic. So what I decided to do, I've got a list of uh, some some really good, I hate saying topics. I really hate that word, but I, some really good things I want to chat about as we kick off the new year. And right now, I figured since things are so hectic schedule-wise, and before I start, kind of uh, the next thing I want to chat with you guys about, it's going to span, I'm going to split it up over a couple episodes, and I want to just make sure it's not lost in the holiday shuffle and all of that. And honestly, my schedule is just not allowing me a ton of time. I mean, no joke, guys, I'm recording this week, which is the week of um, uh, December 19th. Uh, excuse me, 17th through 21st. So the week before Christmas, I'll be recording five different shows, I think. Um, actually, more than that. We had the main Digital Soup show. We had this episode. I've got another interview set up for a future conversation that'll be released right here with an awesome gentleman who's doing some some very cool things in a field that is a little different than what you'd expect me to to chat about here, which is very cool. And then we've got two more Digital Soup episodes to record later this week. And then on Sunday, I get a chance to go be a guest over with my good friend Mac from the Shutter Time podcast. I'm excited to do that. It's been a while since I've been over there. So what are we going to do today then? If we're not going to dive into you know, a regular topic, what are we doing? I thought about it and I thought, you know what? I have all of these episodes. Oh, not all of them. I've got three episodes, these conversations I had when I started out this show over on Digital Soup. If you remember, this whole thing started because I started doing these conversations called Super Chats over on uh, the other show I do with my two best friends, Jason and Adam, um, called Digital Soup. And they'd come out once a month. And I had three conversations with three absolutely fantastic people that I'd love to have back on the show here in Adventures in Creativity proper. But I had interviewed them already. And while some of you may be Digital Soup listeners and may have heard these already, um, I figured, you know what, maybe I've got a little bit of a new audience here and I wanted to share these with you again. So I'm kind of treating it as a, as a Christmas gift to you guys where... I'm going to basically release a couple conversations um, over time. I spread them out a little bit, but at least this week, I'm going to bring to you one of those conversations. It was with my good friend, Brian Muneer, and uh, he's a, a Fujifilm ambassador or what they call an official Fuji X photographer. And we had a great conversation talking about not only his creative process and inspirations, we geeked out a little bit on movies and, and a bunch of other stuff because... 
that's just what we felt like doing. That's where the conversation went. But it was a fascinating discussion and one that I really, really enjoyed. And I can't wait to have Brian on again because it let us see this other side of, of a working photographer, someone who's doing this and doing it at a very high level. And you kind of got to see a little bit more about him as a person and, and what drives him and the things that motivate him, what pushes him and, and what inspires his creative vision. And uh, a lot of fun to hear that process. And it's one of the things I love about doing this Adventures in Creativity podcast is those chances I get to t- uh, to sit down and chat with people, you know, people doing awesome stuff and you just never know what it is that's actually going to be inspiring them. So what we're going to do today we're going to go ahead and I'm going to insert the conversation I had with Brian Manier right here. And I want to give you a heads up because like I said, this was released as part of the Digital Soup podcast in our Super Chats format. And so you're going to hear some references to Digital Soup. You're going to hear some references to Super Chats and different things like that. And I don't want you to be confused and, and think uh, this is some crazy mix up or anything like that. This is just where that conversation started, and this is actually the first Super Chat idea. This is what kicked off this whole Adventures in Creativity idea in my head. So without further ado, take a listen to this conversation with Brian Manier. I want to wish you a very, very Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, very best wishes for this holiday season. May it be filled with joy and laughter, and I will touch base with you here at the end of this fantastic talk with Mr. Brian Manier. I hope you enjoy it. We'll talk to you soon. a good friend of mine, official Fuji X photographer, Vanguard Pro, designer by day, photographer and geek by night, Mr. Brian Manier. Brian, how are you? I'm great, Dave. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Really, how about really that intro? Yeah, that was pretty awesome. And I should just change all of my bios across my social <laughs> media platforms to exactly that. Yeah. I, I've always loved, like I listen to Kevin Smith a lot in his various podcasts and when he has a guest on, like he goes all out. And it's like, how can I, how can I pump up Brian and, and uh, make him blush a little bit here? So. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Yeah. So for those that don't know, Brian Manier, he's a, a good friend of mine. We met online a long time ago. Fantastic photographer. He does a ton of different stuff. But you guys don't really know who Brian is, quite possibly, although you should because his photography work is fantastic. So Brian, why don't we just start off kind of at the obvious place? Who is Brian Manier? Yeah, well, a lot. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I feel like when you were doing your intro there, all those things that you listed off, I like and am into at least ninety percent of them. So this might be a really long episode. <laughs> um, 
No, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm just a creative guy, uh, graphic designer, photographer, dad of a two-year-old who I am single dadding right now because my, my wife is on a two-week Alaskan cruise with her entire family. Oh, man. Um, I opted to stay home and uh, because I wasn't doing a nine-hour flight with a two-year-old. I didn't want to <laughs> be that guy. Right. But uh, yeah, so that's, that's basically me. You know, I, I go to work, I hang out with family, and uh, I take pictures when I can. All right. Well, what do you want to start with? Because you say you go to work, but you are a designer. Yes. You know, by, by trade, I guess you'd say. A, a mm -hmm. photographer by craft and trade and hobby or passion, whatever you want to call it. Right. You know, all, all of those things kind of tie together. Where, where do you do your design work? What kind of stuff do you do? Yeah. So, well... When I graduated, I went to college for graphic design. That's what I majored in. And then I ended up minoring in photography solely because I had enough credits in the classes because I was obsessed with it that I could make it a minor. It was never really a goal. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I really, I was lucky enough after college that I, I started freelancing while I was still in school. Um, my professor let me turn in uh, actual client work for class. So I started freelancing early on, graduated college and was just, that's all I did. I, I took photos. I, I did design work mostly for bands. It was kind of the height of my space dating myself a little <laughs> bit there, but, uh, hey, digital soup, <laughs> I, I guess, Jason, one, one of my co-hosts on the show, he actually just set up a digital soup MySpace page. I have no idea how to find it, but he was all proud to tell us that. Why he did it, I don't know, but he, he claims MySpace is making a comeback. It's going to make a comeback. I feel like I feel like that's probably the third or fourth time that I've heard that since yeah, MySpace right? went away. But uh, didn't <laughs> right. Justin Timberlake buy it at some point oh, or something? Someone it's, like that, yeah. Yeah, so so I, I dug in and you know I did a lot of design work for bands, and so that's kind of how... I, I did things for a while until right. I met my not then but now wife uh, sure. and got a full-time job. So currently I work at a company called Vanguard, which is also in the photo industry. Uh, Vanguard makes tripods, camera bags, optics, binoculars, stuff like that. And I am their senior graphic designer. So Ooh. I do global marketing. So we are the global marketing headquarters here in the United States. And we do marketing for the entire, every branch of Vanguard across the globe. So awesome. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose every day you've got new challenges trying to keep that, that look fresh, but also at the same time, that traditional historic Vanguard feel to it. Yeah. And I think that's something that I learned early on because, and, and it's, what's funny is my, my professor always made fun of me because I was into, I mean, I'm like a metalhead, you know, <laughs> screamo and hardcore music. That's what I grew up listening to. Sure. So those are the, that's the kind of stuff that I did work for when I was in college. So he always made fun of me. Like, you know, your, your grungy style, like you got to learn to kind of step out from beyond that. And, and I did to a certain extent when I finally started uh, kind of expanding my horizons a little bit and doing more than just band work. But I think mm -hmm. if if there's anything that I've learned as a designer, it's that you need to be very flexible, very um, just just able to wear many masks. And if I, I worked at a company called Fathead, which some people yep. might know for about four years, that was the, the job that I was at before Vanguard. And I worked on a lot of different licensed properties from Disney to Marvel to the NFL to, you know, like just across the spectrum. So I constantly had to 
kind of change hats. You know, I could be working on a property that was for little kids, you know, bubble guppies or something like that, and then <laughs> clear up to, you know, the latest Marvel or Star Wars release, which right. I nerded out on so hard seeing all that pre-release artwork, but we could talk about that later. Oh, absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, so so as a designer, you kind of have to learn, you have a style, but then your clients have have kind of a look that they're going for. So you have to be a little bit of a chameleon when it comes to that stuff. And good design obviously crosses many, many spectrums. So, yeah. That alone, I mean, right there, that amount of creative uh, outlet or, you know, whatever I say, I know it was, it's, it's income, it's, it's the day job, so to speak. But that alone is more than what most people do creatively on a daily basis. But we throw into that, you mentioned early on, you know, you had the minor in photography. Mm-hmm. And when did that, uh, you know, I know you said you've been into photography. Well, this is hard because I know the answer to this already, but you know, <laughs> our listeners don't. But when did the photography side of things start to really take hold and become, you know, an equal or, you know, if, if not larger passion along with the design side of things? Yeah. Well, it was interesting. I was always kind of into photography. I mean, I remember stealing my dad's digital camera when I was little. My grandpa was a photographer. I remember shooting Polaroids. You know, I I always had cameras around me growing up and it never, never really took hold until I was a freshman in college. And I realized, you know, I could, I mean, I was taking film photography classes, so I was being exposed to like the art side, Mm -hmm. but when I got my hands on my first DSLR, um, that's when I was like, oh man, I could use this for, I, like I said, I was into these grungy textures and stuff. That's just where my sure. design was at the time. So I was like, I could go out and I don't have to scour the internet for this certain concrete texture that I want. I could go out and shoot my own if I have right. a good camera. So initially, that's really all I wanted a camera for. Okay. And then, like I said, I was in film photography classes, so... I was just constantly exposed to, exposed, no pun intended, uh, just constantly <laughs> exposed to, you know, the art side of things and art history and, and digging back into that sort of thing. So I just started shooting more and more. Um, I had a friend, honestly, my first gig, sadly, was a wedding. I had okay. a friend had a friend who, she was like, my sister's getting married and they really love the, your eye, just the way that you see things. And obviously we know that you're not a wedding photographer, but mm-hmm. we would love if you would consider, uh, you know, shooting her wedding. And I was like, man, I don't, I don't know. I, I did some Google, Google searches and I was like, I don't think this is a good idea, but. Right. Well, stop right there for a second. We'll come back to where you're at. Uh-huh. I, I want to just make sure I'm understanding this right. You were shooting primarily like a lot of these textures and different things like yep. that. And from that, they were like, we like your eye. We like what we see. Can you shoot our wedding? I know, right? That's crazy. I I, I did some other things too. It wasn't all textures. Like I said, I was... You know, I was into the film film stuff, so they they were seeing like some of my you know film scans and some stuff like gotcha, that. And okay. Like I said, it was the height of social media, or it was not the height, right. but it was like the the beginnings of that. So the beginning, you know, you're yeah. sharing stuff. I'm sharing photos on MySpace. I used to do photos for friends and um, just like profile MySpace profile photos and stuff like that. So so there was a little bit more there than just like yes, some. That, that makes more sense. I was kind of <laughs> concerned. Yeah, like, holy cow, 
they saw a bunch of textures in in your design work and were like, we love <laughs> it. They literally just wanted me to shoot like the dress textures and the floor. Right. I love how you make that brick wall look. <laughs> Please do my wedding. No. So you, you jumped right into the deep end. You took yeah, on a it wedding. Was, it was a bad move. Um, you know, I think <laughs> overall they were happy with the photos. I was happy with the photos for where I was, but it was nowhere near where I needed to be to like do it for real. But that Mm -hmm. was kind of my first, okay, I could make money doing this. You know, they offered me 400 bucks and I was like, 400 bucks, like I'm in college, 400 bucks goes a long way. So I couldn't turn it down. And, and funny story, I, and I regret this. It's probably a terrible, terrible thing to do, but I I didn't even have a flash at the time. So I remember on my way there, I stopped at a Best Buy and bought like a Canon 430EX or something and put it on the only credit card I had because I didn't have the money to buy a $300 flash or something like that. Used it for the wedding and then returned it on my way home. Well, you had to keep that profit margin. Yeah, I know, right? I was just like, yeah, I didn't didn't actually end up using this, but... uh, yeah, I feel terrible nice. about that. But yeah, that's just kind of where <laughs> well, I was. Right. And so you you did the wedding. Fast forward a, a little bit. I know you've shot a lot of weddings over the years. And in our conversations, you've recently celebrated shooting, hopefully, your final yes, wedding, you said. Yes, about 13 so years you're later. Not, right. And so you're not shooting weddings. I'm assuming you're not still shooting concrete and, and brick no. walls. So what brought you to what you're shooting now? Yeah. And what is that? Well, it's it's interesting because I just just really started thinking about this again recently. Um I when I was exposed to okay, I can make money doing this, it was it, it was perfect for me being a graphic designer and a photographer because in the Midwest, you have summers and winters. You have very differing right. seasons. So during the winter months when nobody wants their picture taken outside, um, mm-hmm. I would take on more design work. And then when summer came around, I was doing more photo stuff. So it was really a great sure. back and forth for me. Uh, so I just, you know, I started doing senior portraits and getting into that. I did, I had a client, a couple clients that were like local banks and I would do, you know, their headshots or if they had a certain thing going on for advertising, I would do, you know, some shots for their advertising campaigns and whatnot. So sure. I had a pretty steady thing going and I was really into lighting and and teaching myself off-camera strobe lighting and, and getting really creative with that. I used senior portraits kind of as a way to just play with light and try new things. And you got your strobist on. I did, yes. <laughs> David Hobby was my hero at that time. Oh, I mean, absolutely. He's the, he was the man and, you know, taught me a lot of the things that – I, that I still, you know, utilize today when I'm shooting products or trying to do something different. Oh, 100%. But, but yeah, so somewhere along that way, long story short, you know, I just, I, my passion just started to fade. Um, and it was because I wasn't, I was doing that thing for all that stuff for a paycheck. I wasn't yeah. really into it personally. Like my passion wasn't there. So right. it was, it kind of got to a point where I was just like, I just, I'm not into if I have to continue doing this, I'm just not into photography anymore. Right, right. It wasn't satisfying. No. No, not at all. So what? how, how did you find that satisfaction? Boy, that sounds like it could, <laughs> it could go the wrong way, but how did you find that thing? What was it that, do you remember the moment when you were like, ah, th- this is it? Yeah, it was interesting because, I mean, all along the way, 
I've always been obsessed with Ansel Adams. I know that's a super cliche thing to be obsessed with, but sure. he he was kind of the first landscape photographer that I was exposed to when I was in high school. And right. from there, I was like, man, you know, someday I want to do stuff like this. Someday I want to be a landscape photographer. And I always looked at my senior portraits. I would find a really interesting landscape, mm-hmm. and I would drop a senior in there and then yep. light them. And then that way, I, that, that was, at the time, you know, pretty satisfying to me. Yep. Um, so I got a little bit of satisfaction there. Uh, but so that was always kind of in the back of my mind. And eventually it just kind of hit a certain point where I was like, you know, I, I could really just, w- when I was burnt and decided I just can't do this photography thing full time anymore. Um, right. I was like, I just, I have to use my degree. I have to get back more into design, find a full time job. And then that way I could, really only take on the things that you know I'm passionate about on the outside and it when it first started it was really just like I'm just gonna shoot landscape I'm just gonna like explore my area and see Mm -hmm. what I can find I'd moved a couple times so I was new to Michigan here where I currently live and uh that's kind of how it started I was just like I'm just gonna dig in google maps and find parks and, and different things and find stuff to shoot and 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 eventually that kind of grew and grew to the point where I can actually make a little bit of a, you know, a secondary income from it now too. And, and somewhere along the way, you, you got your recognition, well-deserved recognition by th- that small little camera company <laughs> that we all love, which, <laughs> yeah. which I'm sure helped kind of, kind of fuel that fire. Like, wow, I got noticed for the stuff I love to do. Yeah, it was uh, it, I still am just constantly in a state of be- humble, just like <laughs> I don't even know, you know, it, it's right. crazy to me because all along the way I wanted to do landscape photography, but it, mm-hmm. there's just no money in it unless you're right. constantly traveling or unless you're working for, you know, a, an agency or you have yeah. an agent or somebody that's, you know, hawking you around to agencies. So I, I just kind of knew me being the kind of person that I was that more more than likely nothing was really going to come from it mm-hmm. um but yeah so when that happened and i like to tell people that it was kind of the perfect stroke of luck and yeah. just me being decent cuz i look back at the stuff that i was shooting then and i was like man I, i'm just kind of like i don't even know how they even contacted me how they even <laughs> reached out they must have been they must have been desperate um cuz it was fine but it's just night and day from where i am now sure so. sure well, the interesting thing is, and and I know I won't, like I said, I don't want to beat the photography into things to death because, Brian, you've been on with myself over on the Shutter Time show many times. You've been interviewed all over the place as a Fuji X photographer and a Vanguard Pro, all this stuff. And I don't want to bore you with the same typical photo <laughs> talk, right? But the interesting thing is that that I, I was thinking about here as you're talking about your earliest inspiration being Ansel Adams. And I can see that in your work because your work is very dramatic. I appreciate For that. listeners that don't know, look up Brian. Uh, you can find him anywhere online, pretty much at Brian Manier yep. or at uh, brianmanier.com. And look up his work. And what you're going to see is these very uh, dramatic landscapes. Now, borderline cinematic but not quite in the way you would think you know when we think cinematic we think you know these wide shots and in very there's a certain look that that when you think that and that's not quite what your work is but it's very heavily the the contrast and tone from ansel adams but the weird thing to me well not weird in a bad way but you took ansel adams and 
you have this amazing color in your photos very heavy, these deep reds, these awesome things. In a recent series, you just got back from this trip in the Badlands and you posted a series that you called, I believe it was something like Into Mordor. Mm-hmm. And I, I laughed so hard when I saw that because when, before I scrolled all the way down to your caption, when I was looking at that, I was like, oh, that's Brian's picture. I, I can tell that. And I'm like, God, that looks like Mordor. Jeez, drop the <laughs> ring in. And I scrolled down and that was your comment. And I'm like, oh man, we're we're both geeks, I guess. But oh yeah, when you were seeing those scenes, you know, is that something you were thinking about? I mean, because obviously we're talking geeky now. We're talking Lord of the Rings. We're talking Middle Earth. How how does that side of you? And what are some of the things from the geeky world? Starting, I guess, with with Mordor. How does that yeah. side of do you find that bleeding into your work? Well, I mean. It, it, I, I wear many hats. I mean, I not only like Lord of the Rings because I was obsessed with Tolkien, you know, read all the books when I was in high school. I, I honestly, it's sad to say, but I hadn't watched the movies until last year. I was just so scared that yeah. I, it wasn't going to hold up to what I loved about the books. Um that I just held out and my friend was finally like, dude, you just got to watch the movies. And he, he gave me like the director's cuts that were an extra right. three hours or something like that. Right. But, uh, but yeah, no, not only that, but I'm a huge like classic rock Led Zeppelin fan and they're right. obsessed. You know what I mean? So it comes yeah. from multiple angles. Um, and you, you're talking about my work kind of having that cinematic feel. And honestly, mm-hmm. like that's, it's my spin on a cinematic feel, I guess, right. because it- Uh, I'm, I love movies. I Mm -hmm. love, and, and I'll see a color palette in a movie and I'll be like, oh my gosh, that's, I need to, to like, that's, that's inspiring me to do something. So I, I take a lot of inspiration from, you know, directors of photography and their lighting and stuff like that. I draw oh, yeah. and and whether where it's not like a it's not definitely not a carbon copy because you know I I'm not usually lighting people or lighting scenes. Mm-hmm. It's more a, a natural thing, and then I I you know tweak my colors to be. I, I go a little. I push it a little surreal at times, but um, well, it's, it's kind of my spin on cinematic for sure. It, it's almost like a, a cinematic fantasy blend. Yes, sci-fi fantasy. Yep, and, and you, that's you, where I'm right at home in my, <laughs> in my nerddom for sure. Right. So, so with that in mind, I mean, obviously, you know, the next movie you watch could have something that's like, oh my god, that's amazing, but traditionally for you what what are some of the the biggest cinematic movie type of influences that you find you kind of go back to more often than not as far as how you process your own work yeah i think honestly and it's weird to say that one director writer has more than anything but christopher nolan yeah basically anything he's ever done uh right. the, the dark knight you know, Inception, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, because it has that. I mean, you're in basically a fantasy world that he's created, but you have this very specific look and feel. Um, those are huge for me, and and I hate to go with movies that new. I I I have my coworkers at work are very. They're like cinephiles, like the, <laughs> the Criterion Collection kind of stuff. And I'm right. not really that guy. I would love to say that I draw inspiration from classic movies, but like more often than not, it's, you know, um, 
uh, gosh, I'm trying to think of something else besides, for some reason, Christopher Nolan's stuck in my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, with with Lord of the Rings, that I don't know that the movies necessarily fit, you know, like your look matches the movies because the movies were fairly, you know, bright and vivid. Yes. And there are some scenes, obviously, when they're down in, in the, the depths of Mordor and everything else that, that get that, that tone that you have in your... Uh, your work, but I think uh, like for me, when I thought of Mordor, I, it, I didn't even think of it till now, but it wasn't even the movies that made me think of that. It was just the visuals from the books with Tolkien. And it's kind of interesting to think that the written word, I, I saw that written word description in your photos. That's kind of a mind blowing thing, really. Yeah, but, I appreciate that. Yeah, that's it, it's crazy. And it, it has you kind of, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just weird, but it has me thinking about like my own work how often stories I've read and it's just the emotion of those stories or song lyrics, whatever mm -hmm. kind of impact that, but Nolan films, I've got to ask him to put you on the spot. <laughs> Dark Knight obviously is legendary. Yes. So what, what are your top, let's just say top three Christopher Nolan films. Oh man. Um, well from, let's say from the visual perspective, we'll help you out a little bit that way. Yeah. Um, Man, you are putting me on the spot. I mean, obviously, <laughs> uh, one has to be The Dark Knight. I right. mean, it's just everything about it from just the visuals to Heath Ledger's performance mm -hmm. as the Joker, like, just mind-blowing. Um, and then I'd probably put Inception up there just because ah, something about that movie. That movie was one of – I saw it in IMAX. Um, right you know, right after it had released. I actually saw it twice in IMAX because I was so blown away. But it was like <laughs> – I don't know that it, it was like the f the first movie that I'd saw or that I had seen that really made me th like think beyond because I'm a very I mean I I remember going to see the first tran the first Michael Bay Transformers movie right being a child of the '80s who loved Transformers growing up seeing that brought to life mm -hmm. like almost brought me to tears like I felt right. like I was an eight-year-old kid just like oh my gosh head you know what I mean oh, yeah. so I'm a very emotional visual person right. I can skate by if if the movie has the the thinnest plot whatsoever <laughs> as long as it's shot well right I can usually come out of it thinking that was pretty good you know what I mean it, it was yep. at least entertaining from a visual standpoint that was the uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans for me. Yes, Th those yes. are the ones where growing up a huge Spider-Man fan and seeing that I was it, that movie could have been the biggest steaming even the third one which everyone just dumps on. Yep. Even that one I loved cuz we hadn't seen that yet and it was seeing that that hero, you know, that that role model you've looked up to for so long seeing it come to life on the big screen even though by today's standards it was a pretty terrible movie from Marvel but I mean, it was such a big event, those three movies. Right. Um, I think it was it was more Sony than anything because yeah. the the all the right stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, I was actually just having this the Spider Man conversation because I never the other day because I never saw the uh, Andrew Garfield either of the oh. Amazing Spider. I never watched either of those. No, you um, need to get on that. I know I should, but I, I'm just I'm very happy with Homecoming and how oh yeah how they kind of really returned to I was a huge fan of the the Spider-Man animated series. Oh yeah. Um when I was growing up. So Now was I this the feel, one that used to be on like Fox? 
Yes. Yes. Yep, I one. used to watch that after loved, after college every day. Loved it. So yep. I feel I felt like this like homecoming was very much a return to that where it, you're it is a high school kid. You know what right. I mean? It feels like it's it doesn't take itself too seriously, but at the same time the stakes are still really high. Right. Um, but I'm gonna jump back to Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Because yeah. I would say now having like I've been thinking about it since you asked. Right. I would say Dark Knight number one. Yep. Interstellar probably number two. Okay. And then Inception. Okay. Would be number three. Round out my top three because both both Interstellar and Inception to me like mind blowing visuals. Just go yeah, mind blowing visuals. But then like beyond that, the story just goes really deep and they make you think. Yep. And it's like I I love how. Not only does he get the visual aspect of it right, but just the way that him and his brother write are yeah. just, it's just it it's really thought provoking and I don't know. I just I feel like a lot of that in in the rea- the days of reality TV, a lot of that just doesn't exist anymore. Right. Um so I appreciate, you know, solid writing like that for sure. Right. Now the the three if I had to pick, I mean there you can't go wrong really with a Nolan film. Most no. of them are, are very solid. Dark Knight is obviously going to make that list, but the two I would add, I would add The Prestige in there. Oh, that which one's is fantastic little, too. And it, that's one it's not this crazy, you know, it it's like the polar opposite of what you're going to see with Inception or Interstellar, mm-hmm. but just so simply lit and shot, everything just fits that period. I mean, you're brought right into it. The use of color, especially as it's, you know, I don't know what it is. It's that warm, glowing feel, but still gritty at the same time. And then you get to the sections with uh, when they meet Tesla and it's all this like real moody blue lights and, you know, dramatic and everything crazy happening there. Right. I mean, so good, but it's it's a more traditional look, you yes. know, it uh, not traditional film wise, but, you know, it's it's a more practical look. It's not pushing the boundaries with you know, the, the mind blowing effects and everything else. It's very down to earth, I guess, you know, is what I would say. Now, the other one that was very similar to that was, um, Dunkirk that was just out see, last I st- year. I still haven't seen it. I'm, yeah, and, I want to see it so bad, but I haven't yet. I, and I can't decide actually, um, article has Adam, he was up, we were all up together here in Minnesota last summer and recorded one episode live. It was a lot of fun, but while uh, he was up, him and I had went to see Dunkirk in the theater, and I, I can't decide if what was more impactful with that film, if it was the the visuals and the way it was shot, because it was beautiful, even though it was gritty and it's war and people dying, all this stuff, right? or if it was the sound, because the, the sound engineering and the use of sound in that movie is so freaking fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it just, it hits you, and then you realize through the whole movie... There is very little dialogue at all. Yeah. Which is crazy, but it tells such a visual story that you're right there. Like you feel yeah. it and you're drawn in. And and it's pretty pretty it's ridiculous. Funny you're not the first person that, that I've heard say that, that the just talk about how awesome the sound design is for that movie. Oh, um, I mean it's brilliantly done and it works so well visually. And the way they mess around with time took me a little bit as we're watching, like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. But they do this really cool time shift thing that happens, and it's, I mean, I'm sure you've heard about it, so, you know, we won't necessarily go into all that, but they they basically blend, I forget what it is, a week, a day, and an hour all into one fluid story, and it -hmm. it just works. And it's, that that's kind of the, even though it's a a war movie, that's the inception moment for me in there where it's like, what now? 
And, and then you right. get it and you're like, holy cow, he just masterfully blended all this stuff together. That is so cool. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Um, yeah. Nolan, Nolan for me, he's, I don't know. There's just something about him, something about his work. And I'm not, and I'm not saying that he's like the best there ever was or anything no. by any means, but it's just something about his work speaks to mm-hmm. me and my inner creative. Right. And so I just, pretty much everything he does is, is awesome to me. Right. Um, yeah. So what else, I mean, besides Nolan, as oh, far as man. that that would inform your work, can can you think of anyone else off the top of your head um, cinematically? You because I'm sure you draw inspiration from other places as well. But yeah, I do. Um, one of the biggest ones, and this one's kind of a funny one. It's gonna come <laughs> kind of out of nowhere. Um, I'm I'm looking up because I always forget the uh, the cinematographer's name. But there was a series on NBC um, called Hannibal. Oh yeah. Did you ever watch that one with Mads Milkinson as Hannibal? Yeah, I've, I didn't see all of it, but I've seen a, a number of the episodes, yeah. So I really like that. I, I read a couple of the – the I, I haven't read all of the books. I'm by no means like a, a buff in that that world. Right. But um, the way that that – the cinematographer for that show, uh, his name's James Hawkinson. Oh, okay. He is absolutely unreal. Like that show – I could probably just watch it on a loop for the rest of my life. It's just so (laughs) the way that they do, because there is a little bit of a, like a, uh, not a, there's a surreal element to it where, you know, because the, uh, the main character kind of, he's a little crazy. So he's hallucinating things and he, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there's definitely, and then obviously it's all about like these bloody just right. horrifying bodies and stuff like that. Sure. Um, but it's, I don't know, just the way that it's shot, the lighting, the, the symmetry, um, which I, as a designer and a photographer designer, appreciate so much the way that the, the shots are, you know, just thought out and everything. Right. That one to me is probably one of my favorite TV shows of all time specifically because i mean the story's great and everything too and i'm really kind of bummed that nbc canceled it yeah. but um yeah just the cinematography in that is like everything that i could ever hope to to accomplish as like an artist it's just so beautiful <laughs> even though the imagery is kind of you know it's gritty and bloody and nasty right. it's not like anything close to what i do mm-hmm. but the Definitely, like the color palette and everything is just gorgeous. Yeah, I mean that's even though it's a very different style. The one show that was kind of like that for me, it's a very another, I, I guess, down to earth style. I guess that's kind of that simple style I like in my own work. But yeah, Madman, oh my was, gosh, yes. was one that was just. I mean, there was nothing flashy about it, and that's I think what really spoke to me so much was that mm-hmm. you didn't ever notice it. You know. The, the, the visual effects, the visual look was never called out to a point. It was so well done that you just felt like you stepped into that world. Yeah. And it was just the, the use of lighting and, and the colors and toning that they used to bring the different. I mean, that, that show goes some very happy places, some very weird places, dark places. And, <laughs> a lawnmower and the, in the office. Right. And mind. that's exactly what I was thinking. Because <laughs> if you remember that scene... It's been a while since I've seen it, but it seems to me that's that lighting palette and everything in that moment 
is all happy holiday celebration lighting. This warm, happy so, feeling. Yeah. And all of a sudden, someone's foot got cut off <laughs> with a lo- riding lawnmower in an office building. I mean, the craziness of that. Yeah. And it just no. had such a neat look to it. Mad Men to me, I mean, again, I can look at it from kind of two sets of eyes from mm-hmm. the, it's about admin you know what right. I mean? it's about this world this agency world and where it started so i can appreciate that from like a design standpoint but at the same time like what you're saying the the set design yeah the, the thought that went into i would read like these madmen forums and just <laughs> talking about the detail that yeah. went into the set design for some of the things that most, you know, 80% of the audience that's watching aren't even going to pay one lick of attention no. to, but like the, the people that really are into, into like dissecting TV shows, get yeah. just the biggest kick knowing, you know, that I can't even think of an example right now, but. Well, I, I remember seeing, you know, when, when they talk about the little things, like uh, when the, there was an episode that featured, they were working on an ad for the Kodak slide carousel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this was just coming out. And as a photographer, you know, obviously ears perked up, eyes perked up, like, oh, look at that. That's crazy. That's, you know, they're, they're showing the origin story almost, you know, and yeah. the little details like that, that they put into making those and, and taking elements from the actual ads and saying, yeah, this is how this was created, even though it's highly fictionalized. Those are the little details. Yeah. That, that really made that. And it's, it's interesting. I mean, I, I never even, it never even occurred to me that, yeah, as a designer, the ad side of it for you had to be interesting for me. I came into it cause I spent a lot of time, uh, previous job, uh, working in radio doing marketing. So I did like, I, I did copywriting. I, I came up with the ideas. I was, you know, an idea person basically and, and sold the marketing plans to the clients, all that stuff. And we worked together and built all that up. And that was a side of it for me that, you know, drew me in because I'm like, ah, it reminds me of when I worked at the radio station and we'd, you know, pitch this idea to a client and no, they don't like it. Come back with something else. So that aspect it's, it's in there as well. So different yeah. show. Yeah. No, that's really cool. I, I just thought of another, another, like in talking about Mad Men. Yeah. Um, one of the other things and, and not necessarily an inspiration from, uh, um, from like the same coming from the same place, but like Vince Gilligan with Breaking Bad with Better Call Saul. Oh yeah, like I love the. There's so much symbolism in that show between how how they frame certain shots, the colors that certain people wear. The mm-hmm. you know what I mean. There's just so much thought that I can appreciate as an artist, as a photographer. We're primarily storytellers. Where I'm not a great storyteller. I always like to say that the stories that I tell, I mean. It's more about my experience. That's really the story. Right. Um, and then what I got to experience through, you know, this beautiful scene is kind of where I live as an artist. Right. Yep. But because um, it is it is really hard to tell a story. You know, there's a lot of oh, yeah. really fantastic street photographers that just are amazing at yeah. that sort of thing, at building and layering a scene so that the viewer just can live in there. Mm-hmm. But, and, and I look at, you know, what Vince Gilligan does with these TV shows and it's the same thing. Like there's just so much thought there, mm-hmm. but beyond even, it just blows my mind thinking of beyond directing actors, beyond the set design, beyond the lighting, you're also planning specific 
things that people are going to, it's just crazy to me. Um, and it, it's far, <laughs> it far surpasses what I think I would ever be capable <laughs> of doing. I just don't have the patience for that. I, I dabbled a little bit in video for a short time and sure. it, it kind of hit me like, if you want to do this right, anything involved in like video cinema and in that side of the creative business, it's all about, you know, uh, a crew, it's all oh, yeah. about putting together a crew and I'm such a lone wolf that I yeah. just could never, I could never buy into that because there's just too many moving pieces for me. I like to be able to just go out by myself and do exactly what I need to do and not have to rely on anybody. Um, but that's just, I think that's just a personality thing with me. Well, and, and it's interesting though, cause you mentioned something with the, the storytelling and the street photographers and you know, with what you're working with there, you've got other, even though they're not part of a crew, you have that cast, so to speak, even though they don't know they're a cast, you have that subject out there, those multiple subjects, and you also have the light and, and it's a definite skill set I don't have when it comes to street photography. But I think when you get to the work that you tend to shoot a lot of, it's, it's what I shoot a lot of myself being landscapes and, you know, cityscapes and, and that kind of stuff. That's where I think you really see a lot more of these these outer influences, the, the stuff that we've been geeking out over, start to bleed in without even realizing it. Because mm -hmm. I don't I don't know about you, but I've never framed up a photo and been like, oh yeah, this one is going to be shot just like Inception. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It, it's more like you see these color palettes and you see these things and how they work together, and something just kind of bleeds in. And when you you go to frame it up, you kind of just see things a certain way. And then when you get to editing and processing, that's just stuff just kind of looks right. And when you look hard enough, sometimes you can see a little bit of an influence like, oh, that's a little bit Mad Men. That's a little bit Star Wars, you know, whatever right, it is. Right. And it all blends together. So I know a couple of films, what we watched recently um, on the show is uh, one was Ready Player One, which is very different from you know Mad Men and that stuff. I mean, this is sci-fi, fantasy, crazy, neon lights, all that stuff. And the other one we just watched, we've got the the review we're doing of it, actually recording Friday night here, is for Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> it, I, I can't say too much here because this episode will come out before our review, so I've got to say my thoughts on it for the show. Otherwise, the guys will yell at me. But visually, <laughs> so cool. I mean, yeah. it, it was this perfect mix of like, it kind of reminded me like a full-on color version of Sin City. Yeah. Where they do that really, you know, graphic, um, uh -huh. you know, Sin City was all black and white, but this was in color, but it also brought in like just the classic retro game feel, exactly. you know, those colors it's and stuff. It's like watching a video game yeah. novel play out in front of you. Yeah, yeah it was very cool. cool. Very cool. Now, I mentioned Star Wars and you mentioned earlier about, you know, how when you were working with Fathead still, um, you used to see all this pre-release artwork and everything else. And I know... You know, in our conversations, you're a huge Star Wars fan. Yep. So, so let's talk Star Wars a little bit. Okay. Tell me, tell me what about Star Wars? I mean, this I don't know for sure, but this could be one of the things that, at least between our in our regular conversations, is probably the biggest thing that gets geeked out about. Yeah. And so, where does this love of Star Wars come for you? Um, you know, I don't know honestly, because I, you know, I was born in '86, so I kind of missed the the initial wave of, yep. of Star Wars kind of crazy. Um, I remember my first memory of Star Wars, I was probably 
four or five years old. I remember my my dad, I think, bought me the the original trilogy on VHS. Sure. And I legitimately wore out The Empire Strikes Back. It would <laughs> nice. not play anymore. Do you, uh, do you remember, and I, I might be a little older than, I know I'm a little older than you, but it might be something you didn't see. Do you remember... They came out, my, my uncle had it, and this is one I used to, I, I'd listen to it all the time. It was an actual vinyl record that took the soundtrack to Empire Strikes Back, and it mixed in some of the dialogue parts. Oh. Um, not a lot of the dialogue, mostly soundtrack to Empire Strikes Back. So you could put the record on, play it, but then the the whole vinyl case or whatever you want to call it, the the album, was basically a big picture book that you'd flip through along with the album and it had, you know, a bunch of images and still shots from the movie. It's, I used to listen to that so much as a kid because I, you know, I remember watching the movies, but that was one thing that I think more than anything is what really drew me into star Wars is sitting there looking at the still photos from the image while I was listening to the music and, and certain little dialogue clips and stuff like that. But did you ever see those at all? I didn't, you know, oh, now that now that you said that, I'm going to like seek them out on you because <laughs> that sounds awesome. It was so cool. I mean, it, I don't know, you know, but to, in today's day and age, you might listen to them and it might be cheesy as all get out. But as a kid, I mean, yeah. this was early, early 80s and maybe 85 at the latest because I was, I would have been like seven, eight years old by then. Mm-hmm. And um I mean, I remember listening to those every time I, he, my uncle was young enough where he was still living at home with my grandparents. So anytime we go visit my grandparents, he was there. He was a, he's about nine years older than I am. And I'd beg him as a little kid, can you, you know, put the record on? I want to hear Star Wars. I want to hear Star Wars. And we listened to that over and over and over. That's so awesome. Yeah, I, I didn't, I mean, I have, so I have three older half siblings. Okay. But by the time that I would have discovered Star Wars, they were, you know, in college out of the house sure. like didn't see him that much um so it was really just a self like the i remember the first time i saw darth vader i was just <laughs> like that's my guy like yeah. i don't even care that he's the bad guy that like that costume design yep. ju- it just like the nolan stuff we were talking about it was just i'm still to this day obsessed with darth vader right um and my son is even tonight we got home, he's two years old and tonight we got home and I'm making him dinner and I was like all right buddy let's put on a movie he's like I was like what do you want to watch and he was like Tar Wars <laughs> like he's already he's nice. already dick buying into it which is awesome yeah but, um yeah I know and and even going back like <laughs> it's funny I I take so many photos of like the night sky and yeah and the moon and, and stuff like that I think a lot of it has to do with a like I wanted to be an astronaut growing up but sure. I think a lot of it comes back to that just like love of sci-fi and love space of space opera. and yeah. just yeah like all of that ties into just the subconscious like the, this love that I had as a kid and and continue to have today honestly right you just you, you look up and you, you just you know those adventures are happening, whether they're fictional here on yeah, Earth or not. Yeah. You know somewhere out there there is a Death Star. That's not the moon; it's the Death Star for sure. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I hear you. Star Wars is is a. Uh, I mean, everybody. I shouldn't say everybody. Most people know Star Wars and have at least seen the originals. Maybe they don't like the new ones or whatever it is. But right. you know, a lot of people. There's so many Star Wars fans. Some of them get real crazy with it but it's it's almost i mean arguably the perfect storyline the the perfect set of movies and it's a universe that's so out there 
you know, I mean, this is outer space, it's aliens, but it's also just, you know, a farm boy and uh, a gambler, you know what I mean? It's, it's that perfect blend of real and completely outer space craziness. Yeah. And, and what I love about Star Wars, I mean, there's a lot of things I love about Star Wars, but I, there's a YouTube video that you can look up that talks about like uh, specifically a new hope. Like you can watch back to back how the editor and I forget the editor's name off the top of my head, but how he basically saved the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it compares George Lucas's original, like, untouched cut mm-hmm. to how how we know the edited version. And it explains, like, it's to move this part of the story forward or it's to hide what's going on here from this sure. before you actually reach a certain point. And it's, it, what's, it's really miraculous, like, just to see you know, this wasn't this perfect thing right out of the gate. Like mm-hmm. it took, it took like some eyes on it. And I think if I remember right, it was George Lucas's wife that was like, yeah, you need to do something about this. Like you need to put it, you need to put it in front of somebody else to like, right. you know, he was a little too close to it or something, but um, that's, well, it, I love nerding out on all that like history stuff. Yeah. And that's a, I mean, just a good lesson for, for creatives in general is, you know, with your own work, don't be afraid to get other eyes on it. People you trust, you don't want to just listen to any internet critique, you know, because right. there's a bunch of bozos out there. But if you can build that that stable of people you trust where you can bounce your work off them, whether you write or paint or, you know, take pictures, whatever it is, it can be invaluable because it can take your work from being, that's all right, to moving in a direction and, and making you see things that you never even realized. I mean, it's so important. Yeah, I mean, it that that's so instrumental to every process I have as a creative. I mm-hmm. mean, it's something that I think I learned mostly from design because I'm very, most of the time I've, it's been like a team based sure. kind of thing where, you know, I'm, I'm like, I get something to a certain point and I want somebody's eyes on it to be yep. like, Hey, okay, but I could go this way. I could keep going this way or I could do this. That's completely different. Um, and, and that has really taught me it's bled over into the photo world right. where, you know, I have my, you know, four or five friends or whatever that I can <laughs> be like, Hey, I went a little crazy with this edit. What do you think? Do I need to, I need to dial it back a little bit? Right. I kind of feel like I need to dial it back a little bit. Right. right. And, you know, they kind of, they keep you grounded or they push you to, you know, and they're like, no, I think that's yeah, it's different going. and it's something cool. Like keep keep exploring that and i think no matter what realm of the creative world you're in like that collaboration you can't as much as i like i said earlier as much as i like being the lone wolf kind of guy and not having to rely Mm -hmm. on people i wouldn't be where i am today without you know other creatives like kind of pushing me to be better well and you kind of get to a point where you know i don't i don't know how it was for you but when i first got started with the photography side of things i've been a musician since how old are you in second grade? I don't know what I was, six, seven, eight, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, I've been playing the drums since back then. I picked up with a guitar somewhere over the years, never really learned that well. But music's always been kind of the first thing for me. And then when I got, this was about 2006 or so, 2005, 2006, I blew out a disc in my back and had a back surgery, was laid up and all this stuff. And that's when, ironically, the photography bug hit me. And at the same time, it, it kind of coincided with this band I had been in for like 10 years, 11 years had kind of fallen apart. And so I suddenly didn't have that music outlet anymore as far as performing and, you know, things like that. 
in the photography just kind of stepped in and, and filled that. And um, much the same way as you started, I, I started taking pictures, trying to use it as source material for learning to draw, actually, and realized the pencils just don't work in my hands. A camera yeah. does, you know? Yeah, yeah. But when, when I go through that, it's like you kind of start off and, and it feels like a competition. You know, you, you're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. You're happy to share your work. And then people start slapping you down right away. And it's easy to get so discouraged. And you start seeing that side where so many creatives out there and photographers just really, really hate to share. Yeah. You know, they hate to work on a team. They hate to play together, share ideas, concepts. And I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, hey, I'm going to take this picture. You edit it for me. I'm talking just like what you said, having that group of friends you can just bounce it off of and get those reality checks or encouragement, whatever you need, whatever that photo is demanding. But you get to a point, I think, where you kind of turn the corner and you realize that, you know what, there's nothing at all original. I'm not inventing the wheel here. You right. know, this is stuff that's been done all the time. So why not work together? And, and it's a it's really a beautiful thing when you get to that point. You can find some people you really trust, you know, to to look at your work and, and bounce that stuff off of each other. So I think it, it just helps everybody grow. No, I, I agree. And I think that's one of the things that I actually it's probably the only thing that i enjoy about instagram <laughs> as it cur- as it currently stands is sure. just with with the inset of stories and and then the you know direct messaging which i never honestly like before stories i never really used the direct messaging feature cuz there right. wasn't really a point to it but no. so between stories and then that being tied to direct messages and stuff like i'm constantly engaging with people and and you know i mean I sometimes I use it kind of as like a, almost like a vlog. I mean, it's not yeah. as polished by any means as a vlog. I wish I had the time to really think things out and <laughs> things in a way to where I could, but it's just that's just not how my life works. Right, right. But uh, but no, engaging with people and you know people asking how I did it, how I accomplished a certain thing, and mm-hmm. I'll you know send them a video showing them how I did something. And it's, oh, it blows my mind when people are like, I can't believe I'm so happy that you got back to me because nobody ever talk, nobody ever gets <laughs> back to me. I'm like, I'm just a dude. I told like, you not to read my message to you, Brian. <laughs> I didn't know you saved that from way back then. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, it's, it's just crazy to me that people are so caught up in their own little world and think that, you know, I don't know whether it's they think that they're, just on such a higher level than mm-hmm. other people that, or, or maybe it's just not what, maybe sharing just isn't part of their, you know, I'm, I remember even in graphic design school or not in design school in college in my graphic design classes, like mm-hmm. I would, I would get up and stop what I was doing to help somebody else figure, you know what I mean? I have yeah. that kind of teacher's instinct or something. Right. Um, I like helping people. I like, helping people. One of my coworkers is really trying to learn Photoshop right now. Yeah. You know, I take every chance that I can to like, not just do, because a lot of times he'll just come over and be like, well, you just do this because you can do it in two seconds. Right. I'm like, yeah, well, but I could show you and it'll only take five minutes. Yeah. And and then then you're going to learn something. Right. (laughs) Right. You've got another tool. It's not right. And it's not from the 
you know, the the angle of like, I just don't want to have to do anything for you ever because I right. really don't care to. Yep. But it's really uh, just a, I love seeing people learn something new and right. flourish. And, and it, yeah, it's so I, I take that approach to everything. Yeah. And we, we need more of that. I know personally, you know, with, with other shows we've been on with Shutter Time and stuff like that, I've uh, told you many times how much I appreciate that very first you know, conversation and uh, ability to let someone who I still think of myself as a relative nobody, I'm just a guy, but people, you know, know who I am a little bit now, not to the level you do, you know, other people do, but coming from that side of it, reaching out to someone like you, who I looked at and I'm like, holy cow, this guy's work is amazing. And he's gonna, you know, he, he probably won't even respond, but I'm just going to reach out, you know, and then to have you not only reach out, but be super awesome. And then, you know, develop a, a real friendship over the years here and it's something that you realize that it, it's the more you do that for others the more it just spreads and it's it's amazing right. and it's such a good feeling like you say it's not that you don't want to do that thing for someone else because you know you could do it quickly it's that there's real joy in like watching them all of a sudden go ah oh, you know i get it yeah. you know and and it's so much fun yeah i mean i feel like there's just in this current kind of social media climate that we live in there's just so much negativity there's so much like you know you're not on my team so Mm -hmm. I hate you kind of thing mentality and and I'm just trying to do my very very small part to you know show people that that doesn't have to be like that yeah it it does we're all the same people right you know maybe we we believe a few different things or we have a few different beliefs but like you know, we're all, we're all just people trying to get by. Oh, exactly. Exactly. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw just one or two quick last rapid fire questions at you here. Do it. Do it. We're talking Star Wars. Take the original trilogy out of the mix. Cause we all know, I mean, we'll start a fight if I say Empire's the best, but mm-hmm. we'll start that fight, but we're going to take that trilogy out of there. Yep. Give me your number one Star Wars movie, not counting the original trilogy. Oh man. Um, as of right now, because I'm still, I have it pre-ordered and I haven't gotten to see it a second time, <laughs> but as it stands, I'm going to be super controversial and say Han Solo. You're going to go movie. with Solo, a Star Wars story. Yep. It was good. I love, as much as I, like the Force Awakens, I love it. Mm-hmm. I even really enjoyed The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Something about Solo made me feel like I felt when I watched Empire all those times ago, yeah. you know, all so long ago. It was the the return to the world. The characters were familiar. Mm-hmm. I was. I also went into it super like. I just wasn't expecting too much, knowing yeah. the the turmoil of changing directors and mm-hmm. the reshoots and all that stuff. Um, and then also, I I just didn't think I was going to be able to overcome the the Harrison Ford factor. Like he is Han Solo. <laughs> right, right. You know, at least get an actor that has the deep voice. Like yeah. that was my big concern was, but like after, you know, probably the first 15 minutes or so seeing him in that mm-hmm. role, I, I was over it and I was just along for the ride and I right. loved it. But again, the asterisk to that is I've only seen it once mm-hmm. and I need to see it a couple more times before. Right. Cause obviously rogue one was fantastic and I love mm-hmm. it because it was so much different in tone than any other star Wars movie ever. Um, and then, yeah, but I'd, I'd go with solo right now. Perfect. So phantom menace it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Just can't get enough of that jar jar. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, 
I, I agree with with Solo. I mean, I, I've seen it a couple times. I saw it twice in the theaters, and I I just you know it's same thing. You went into it with no expectations because it had every right to be just a total train wreck. It should have been Suicide Squad. Yeah, it, it should have been Suicide it, Squad. Yeah, I mean, there was no reason why that movie should not have been terrible. And I would have fully excused it because of all the turmoil going into it. Like you said, director switches, everything else. But it wasn't. It was just so fun. It was fun, yeah. So, I mean, th- that that up right there. Seeing is, him and Chewbacca meet, and it, it yeah. has its own, like it, it, all of that is how it happens in, you know, the, the yep. now non-canonical world of right. Star Wars. Like seeing how they tied a lot of that stuff in was just awesome. And I've got to admit that scene when it happened, I don't want to say too much because I'm not sure that my co-hosts have seen it yet. But when that happened, I, I did not expect that then. I, I knew that we'd see Chewbacca show up, but for sure. some reason I was not expecting that right then. I don't think I was either. Yeah, uh, you know, I was expecting another, a bit. yeah, like a Rancor beast or whatever, you know, something like that. But it was a uh, just so much fun, fun yeah. ride, great cast, great soundtrack. I mean, everything. So the last thing I'm going to ask you, you mentioned early on tonight, um, some of your earliest, you know, influences when you were starting out in the design thing is, you know, your, your grungy metal influences. We haven't talked a lot of music, but I got to know. What are those those top music choices for you now? What's what's the Brian Manier playlist look like? Oh man, I'm so all over the map right now. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's I I like I love instrumental music, mm-hmm. um, like post post rock. If you can recognize that as a genre mm-hmm. um, like explosions in the sky kind of stuff okay there's a band I love called Infinity Shred. Okay, um, they have a terrible name, but it's like. It's like that driving instrumental, but there's a lot of synth. Sounds like a Nintendo game, kind of. It's my driving. Me and Jim, when we're, my mm-hmm. buddy Jim Lennon. Yep. Whenever we go on a road trip, that's like our jam for road okay. trips because it just makes you feel like you're in a movie. It's like the soundtrack to your what you're experiencing. And you say this is all instrumental. Yeah, it's instrumental. Oh, I'll have to check. Um, Infinity so Shred. Infinity Shred. Yes. I'll have to look um, that up the the album that you'd want to check out is called Long Distance. So that okay. would be number 1, I think. Number 2, a band called Caspian, also another instrumental band. Okay. They're a little more like influenced by the heavy music scene. Still it's still very beautiful, very mm-hmm. atmospheric. Um just kind of driving, great great music to edit to, great music to drive drive to. Okay. Um and then there's a band you know, getting more like screamy. Mm-hmm. I listen to, there's a hardcore band called counterparts. They're from uh, Canada and I love them. Been listening to them a lot lately. Okay. Um, going even a little further. I've been listening to, um, gosh, I've been listening to a lot of George Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I was going to uh, ask you, pull, give me one from what's that go-to album from those early days that, you know, we all have those, those artists or albums that, even though we love this new stuff and we're into it, there's always one like that comfort food we go for. Oh man, yeah, I would say for me, Houses of Holy Zeppelin. Yeah, okay. Probably it's got No Quarter is my favorite Led Zeppelin song ever. Right, um, and it's, that's on there, and uh, yeah, that's probably one of my my biggest go tos. Yeah, of, of regular rotation. Okay. 
but I also love the Beatles and everything they've ever sure. done. So I'm 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 across the board. Everything but country for me. So. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I, I'm with you. I'm I'm a rock guy for the most part, although I listen to a lot of different stuff from jazz to Oh jazz. Funk My and, son's name is Miles. I love right, Miles Davis. So right, right. you know. Yeah, I used to I used to fall asleep every night with the uh the Miles Davis kind of blue album playing in the headphones. Oh, just such a good album. Yeah. So relaxing. But yes, that was actually so my good. first concert I ever saw. I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, oh, shoot, I'm forgetting his name now. Uh, I don't know. He was a jazz trumpetist. Maynard Ferguson. Um, okay, I've never heard of him. He's He wasn't as well known. He had a fairly big career, but that was the first concert I ever saw. My high school band teacher took us because um, I played in the jazz band and orchestra and all that stuff. And I think I was in about sixth or seventh grade and we got to go, we got on a bus and rode like an hour and a half to the nearest place. And he was Maynard Ferguson and his jazz group was doing a show and it blew my freaking mind as a drummer, what those guys were doing. I was like, Oh my God, I love jazz. It's amazing. Yeah, so, jazz is something else. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good stuff. It's otherworldly. Yeah. Sometimes hard to understand, but again, great editing music, you know, that kind of thing when it's, mm -hmm. when it's just kind of there, it gets you in a zone. So I, I will say I'm not a fan of jazz vocalists though. Yeah. I could agree with that. You know, I, I respect them, but I'm also going to get controversial. I feel that same way about the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. I, I yeah. rarely listen to their music, respect the heck out of them, but it's just not my thing. I got it. I, I've just recent. I've never been a Stones guy. Yeah. Like never even really cared to get into them. Everything, mm -hmm. like all their commercial success, commercially successful stuff. I was right. just kind of like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's fine. Yeah. It's just not my cup of tea, but my, my coworker, um, has been playing, I forget, I'm, I forget the album now, but one of their earlier albums and sure. it's, I was like, wow, I actually kind of like the Rolling Stones. Like, I, could <laughs> I could put this album in my rotation, I think. Yeah. Yeah. We've got, I think in, in my band, when we play, we've got one or two Stones covers we do, but we like to, we don't play anything. I mean, we're a cover band. We don't write anything of our own. We just play, we get to, if we play once or twice a year, we're doing good now that nowadays, but, um, when we play, we just like to throw our own twist on stuff. And so, I mean, we'll do like a kind of a slow but heavy rock version of um, Hit Me Baby One More Time by Britney Spears or, nice. you know, just weird stuff like that. We like to have yeah. fun with it. But we do a couple of Rolling Stones covers, but we definitely rock them up a little bit and just have some fun with it. But that's that's about the only Stones I listen to. Like if it comes on the radio, I'll be like, eh, good song, flip. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, Which, that's, about, that's about how I am. Too. Yeah, yeah. Well, Brian, I know we're we're getting long here, uh, and I just off the top of my head, I was thinking, you know, I've heard a lot of shows do this, and it sounds like a fun idea. So hopefully, like I said earlier on in the show, I'm hoping to keep these going about once a month, depending on how often we can get interviews set up and everything else. Why don't you recommend to me one artist, photographer, musician, whatever it is, that uh, you think would make for an interesting chat that people should check out? Oh, man. Um, I think my buddy Dan Newman yeah. would make for a really interesting chat because he's like, he's just doing it, man. He's a video guy, um, but he's totally self-made. Yeah. Like he taught himself everything and now he has a full-time job in Manhattan working for a boxing company, yeah. you know, and doing these, he's, and he's shooting. The interesting thing about him is he's not only doing all this digital stuff, but he's, he's really gotten into shooting super eight film. Oh really? And he's doing such crazy, awesome things with super eight film. Well, that, that boxing project that started off of a single project, right? I mean, it wasn't yeah, his main had, thing. 
No, not no. He he started working from this company, and I and I I would butcher the story if I tried right, to tell right. how he got connected with this company. But it was a UK based company that he was working with. Right. They he was actually it was funny he was uh, he did a Amtrak across America trip, mm-hmm. um, and part of it he diverted to come see me and hang out with me for a few days. So over the course of his stay, he was like, they just reached this company to reach out to me and they're starting a, you know, their U S based office and asking me to be head of their digital content. And so I helped him like figure out what to ask for, you know, what, what would make him give up the freelance life for a full-time job. Yeah. Right. And they came through for him and he's, you know, he's doing it now. And awesome. It's just, gonna, I feel like it's going to just continue to go up from there. Cause now that he's in the city, he's just going to be, you know, it's oh, just yeah. going to keep adding up and he's going to meet a certain person. And the next thing you know, he's going to be shooting a feature, <laughs> just this huge feature. So he would be an interesting guy to talk to just because he's so multifaceted, yeah. super talented, incredibly smart. Like, yeah, really cool dude. Awesome. Well, we'll see what we can make happen there possibly. And I just want to take a second before uh, before I have you plug where people can find you and say thank you so much for joining me tonight because you and I have been talking. I've been trying to figure out a way to get you here into the digital soup world <laughs> for a long time, and it's Dave, just you didn't you didn't have to create an entire like subset of the show for just I, to get me on. I for did one episode. <laughs> I, I did, but I hope to keep it going further. I think it's just an interesting way to talk to to different creators because it's not just the usual like. So yeah. tell me about your cameras or, you know, whatever. Well, I like, I do like that because it's stuff, you hear that stuff so often. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you said early on, like, you didn't want me to have to talk about the same stuff. I, I really don't mind talking about yeah. the stuff that I love, but but to be able to expand on that and still at the same time relate it back. Yeah. I think, like, that's, as a as an avid podcast listener, like, that's something that I would be interested in hearing other people talk about you know? well and it, i kind of looked at it from the mindset of like okay the 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 photographers the creatives that i know that i look up to whatever it is i can listen to those interviews and go to the candid frame go to places like that go to shutter time when they have guests on i can hear that side of them there but what are the things that i want to hear about that maybe their fans don't know about them and just help them really get to know them a little better and that's kind of my whole approach with it but i, I sincerely do thank you for coming on Hope you had fun with this, and um, definitely we'll have to make this happen again sometime as well, because I have a feeling we just kind of scratched the surface of of the geekiness between the two of us here, but... Um, yeah, I feel like we talked about a lot, Yeah, but, but it really did. There's so much more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is for sure. So as we get ready to wrap up here, Brian, why don't you let everyone know... Uh, both what's you're up to, if there's anything, you know, project-wise, anything big you have coming up, and as well as where to find you. Um, uh, the biggest thing coming up, my October is going to be pretty slammed. I have a couple photo walks around this area. I have a couple, I have a photo walk in Salt Lake city mm-hmm. in, uh, October, which, so if anybody's in the Salt Lake area, you should come out and hang. That'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, doing a West Virginia waterfall and fall color tour about Ooh. a week after that, which is going to be awesome. And then I'm going to be in New York for photo plus the week after that. Basically the whole month of October, I'm never going to be home. Nice. Um, but yeah, no, I'm 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 over on Instagram at Brian Manier, B R Y A N M I N E A R, and same on Twitter, uh, BrianManier.com. That's where you can find me. Just chat me up. I love talking about anything, gear, techie, nerd, etc. Yeah, tell him why you why he should love the Phantom Menace more. I mean, 
Really? Why all the hate? <laughs> Don't even get me started on that conspiracy theory about Jar Jar being oh, yeah. uh, Jar Jar being a, a Sith Lord. A Sith Lord, yeah. yeah, because I'm fully bought into that, my friend. <laughs> we have the topic for our next episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, Brian, thanks so much. Listeners, go check out Brian work Brian's work, I should say. Can't talk here all of a sudden. Um it, it really is fantastic. And like like we've talked about at length, you're gonna see a lot of those geeky influences in there as well as just some beautiful work i look at the the one print i have on the wall of my office just to my right here every day when i come down here and it still makes me smile after after this couple of years i've had it hanging there so um if you haven't already go check out brian's work now all the photo walk, walk stuff that you were talking about that can be found at your website or yeah i'll be plugging it through instagram um but it'll also be on the website it'll also be on fujifilm's website so Perfect. when it, it when it's available i'll be i'll be plugging it pretty hard awesome awesome and for us Man, that's still such a fun conversation. I'm so glad I got to have that. And what a fantastic way to kick off what eventually would become Adventures in Creativity. So, guys, I'm going to let you go this week. I do, again, want to just say Merry, Merry Christmas to all of you. I hope you've had a fantastic holiday season. Or I shouldn't say that you had. I hope you have a fantastic holiday season. And, of course, because I didn't mention it at the top of the show, I want to just remind you guys, too, that um, if you want to help out Adventures in Creativity, you want to keep up with everything that that I'm doing here, easiest way to do that is first by heading over to davidswidek.com and just hitting the Join the Adventure button up on top of the page. Uh, what that does, it's going to get you set up so that every time I post a new episode or a new article or photo story on my website... You're going to get an email, just a quick email saying, hey, friends, I've got a new story up for you, brand new episode, whatever it is. Usually it's about twice a week, one new uh, one new written post with some photo work and one new episode. Um, of course, if you hit the button over just to the right of that that says podcast, you choose Adventures in Creativity. Uh, you'll also be able to listen right there on the website, and you'll find links to all the places you can find this show, including Apple Podcasts, Google Store, all of them. All of that good stuff. Now, the other thing, the second thing, don't be secretive. You know, when we uh, when we find something cool that we love, it's it's kind of it's it's awesome to be able to tell people about it. But sometimes we kind of feel like, you know, what I want to keep that for myself. That's kind of my special thing. But you know what? Don't be secretive. If you enjoy our adventures and could even tell one friend about the awesome thing you found here with this show, it truly means the world to me. And uh, really, really look forward to seeing more and more adventurers join us as time goes on. Now, lastly, if you or someone you know is doing something interesting and creative and you think I should sit down for a chat, let me know. Uh, be it photography, writing, filmmaking, musicians, woodworking, metalworking, or any other creative endeavors. As you guys know by now, I love chatting with other creative individuals about all the amazing things they're doing. And by sending me the recommendations... And if you can make a connection, that's an added bonus, but it helps to make those connections for future adventures and creativity conversations happen. So guys, as we get out of here, like all adventures, this one too has come to an end, but don't worry. We'll be back next week here um, just before we get started on the new year. And uh, I'm not quite sure what I want to do with the show there, but the one thing I do want to bring into this show, because it's it's something... I feel very strongly about and, and feel like we need to see more of in, in the world is that 
I want to bring more episodes to you guys where it's simply me kind of going in on a little bit deeper dive, talking about something that's inspired me or something that I'm digging, something that I'm finding creatively satisfying. Maybe it's something I've been up to. So that kind of stuff. And so I might look at a couple things that have been really kind of getting my creative juices flowing here this last uh, last month or so. Might even be a little sneak talk of my first adventures in medium format film. We'll see. Just <laughs> we'll have to see what happens. But we've got some good things planned going forward, especially into the new year. And so as we wrap up this adventure, I just want to take a second to say thank you so much for following along on the adventures. I know every podcast says that. I know everyone says they appreciate their listeners, but guys, you guys are, are the reason I do this. I love sharing my thoughts on creativity and most importantly, sharing just more of the idea that we're all creative and we're, we're one big creative family. Look at me. I'm all sappy during the holidays. When did it turn into a Hallmark channel in here for crying out loud? <laughs> Anyways, guys, I'm going to get out of here. I hope you guys have a very, very Merry Christmas and holiday season. If you don't celebrate Christmas, whatever it is you do celebrate, may it be blessed with tons of joy, tons of good family time, lots of food, and of course, lots of laughter. Stay curious. Capture those moments with your family. Enjoy them. And I will see you next time. Thanks again for listening. Music in this episode is provided by the band Portrayal. It's a track called Lost Souls. You can find it at freemusicarchive.org.